Welcome to the Advisor Talk podcast channel. This is Nick Stewart, CEO and Authorised Financial Advisor at Stewart Group. If you're new to the show, Stewart Group is a CFEX certified financial planning and advisory firm serving clients throughout New Zealand with offices in Hawke's Bay and Wellington. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. going yeah really well thank you good nice to, see to be you, here as yeah. always now today topic uh, for discussion is good and getting better that sounds like a good title it is what, what's, yeah. what's good and what's getting better well mate it's um well you know just one little thing that's a topical at the moment is uh um about this time last week people were making their last few contributions to KiwiSaver for the year because mm-hmm. the KiwiSaver financial year is 30 june so it's been a great, great couple of days, great couple of working days, because on Friday last week we received half of our member credits from the government, and the other half arrived yesterday. So yeah, all of those, all of those hardworking clients and those that were diligent and got their contributions in are now fully invested in the market. That that's, that's positive. The rewards of KiwiSaver. We spoke about it last month. Who wouldn't want to be in it? Who wouldn't want to put that what, what oh, no. is it thousand dollars and yeah, yeah, exactly. get that yeah. money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. The thousand and forty two dollars and you know, the week later the uh, the government um gives you a little bonus of fifty percent on what you'd put in. That is pretty awesome and it's really encouraging and it's it's get it gets people focused away from bricks and mortar. Yes. And it gets them thinking about, hey, I've actually got this nest egg that I'm building and you know, they've built it. You know, it's their savings. Um, and and that's really positive. Whereas, you know, you know a lot of people, you know, historically they've had their, their you know their aspirations historically were to have a debt free home, mm-hmm. and um, and they would rely on the New Zealand super. Yeah. Well, you know, today KiwiSaver is now the you know it's the third leg of the stool, mm-hmm. and that's really positive because that's going to become more and more appropriate as we have this um, aging population with a just a larger burden on the state or the taxpayer. Yeah, absolutely. That's mm. got to go up, doesn't it? That age of uh, entitlement's got to go up, surely. Well, one would think so because we're certainly we're living longer yeah. uh, and there are more of us that are living longer and there will be more of us that are not gainfully employed. Um, that doesn't mean that we don't do anything. There will be people who just they do things as a vocation, but they're, yeah. you know, volunteer work, etc. But those that are actually contributing um, and are taxpayers um, will become less. I was reading a couple of your articles, mm. and mm. Uh, one of them was titled Good and Getting Better. And I wonder when you – and two of the examples that you used were uh, a person in their 30s, and then you uh, talked about a couple in their 50s. How do those two age groups, how do they view – the financial uh, market or the economy or the future. I mean, 
Um, op- are they optimistic? Are they pessimistic? I, I would imagine that the people in their 50s might be slightly more pessimistic than the uh, person in their 30s that you're talking about. Is that the case or not? Yeah, it is. Um, it was interesting. I was actually having a discussion with someone about this yesterday over breakfast, and we were just talking about the fact that this individual was a generation older than me. So, of course, I kind of see myself as in the middle. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm now middle-aged, Ken. Yes, I turned 45 last week. I'm the generation you were talking about. I'm the older guy. <laughs> I know. I used to see myself as young. So, I, so, so I'm kind of in the middle now. And so you've got this younger generation that are coming through. And, you know, let, let's say if you were 25 today, so 20 years younger than me at 45. And let's say you, say at 65. Mm-hmm. So we've got three generations there. Now, it's interesting, you know, you've had a lot of... Um, Tax-free capital appreciation on a lot of the assets that you've owned. Um, Now, so have I over the period that I've been working, which has been um, 20 years. Um, But you've had an extra 20 years more of that than I have. Mm -hmm. Whereas the person who's starting work today at 25 is saying, well, gee, Ken, you know, when you bought a house, it was $50,000. And now for me to buy a house, it's $850,000. You've had all the tax-free capital appreciation and a really, really good ride and relatively low taxation for the most part. Yeah. Um, So they naturally feel aggrieved and say, boy, you know, they have got one massive mountain to climb Mm. uh, and it looks pretty steep. Um, Yes, so look, I can understand that, you know, people – People look at the traditional ways of uh, accumulating wealth, yeah. and they naturally today say that actually looks really hard. Yeah, and I can understand that. And if we preface that with what we just talked about about um, the entitlement of um, age for government superannuation, yeah, or New Zealand super as it's called, um, one would say that yeah, rightly so that the the younger generation um, may be a little bit nervous. Sure. I suppose when we look at it like that, the way you've just described it, that they've just got to um, suck that up, they don't need to get on with it, because at the end of the day, there's nothing that we can do to change that equation. Correct. So, and, yeah. and, and can you know, look, when I reflect, reflect back 20 years ago, I thought things were really expensive. Mm. I thought that, how am I going to make my salary work, Yeah. and how am I ever going to own anything? And... Yeah, I think the the current generation are just the same. But you know, and, and look, part of the reason for the expensive pricing of many assets is that the the interest rate environment is very low. Yeah. Um, whereas you know, you've lived during periods where interest rates um, have now been between rates of two and twenty percent. Yeah. So I mean, that's a massive swing, and that has a huge effect on the pricing of commercial or industrial property, residential property, on farms. Yeah, it really does. I mean, how much worse off are young people today? I remember my wife and I got our first house. We were on a 23% mortgage. We had two mortgages. We both had two jobs. Um, And we thought it was tough. And it was tough. Yeah. So how much tougher is it now than what it was back then for us? I mean, is is it such a marked difference that it's going to taint their... Yeah, their thoughts looking forward. Um, I, I would say that it's not tougher uh, in the sense of their uh, take-home pay is very good. Mm-hmm. The interest rate environment is yeah. like, incredible. Even if you borrow long, um, you know you can borrow long at you know near on three and a half percent. I mean that's absolutely fabulous. Um, but the aspect that is different is that to put a roof above one's head 
is very expensive and that that kind of that capital cost has never been greater than what it is today mm. um, now some would argue that um, if we look at averages that in fact you know the cost of servicing a mortgage um, versus um, the average income uh, actually looks pretty robust on mm-hmm. historical averages but um, but if you ran all of your numbers on averages um, a lot of things you'd feel really really happy about but remember that an average is just an average sure. and that effectively there's a bell-shaped curve and that the person in the middle is um, incredibly different than those on the left or those on the right. Mm. Now, I don't mean to, that's not political no. what I'm saying. It's just if you look at the bell-shaped curve, you know, at either side there's the hump in the middle, but on either side um, you've got huge disparities. And the disparity yeah. that's coming through, that that is extremely difficult. And that's why I think a lot of people um, look at the mountain to climb and say, Boy, this seems a lot harder than it was for my parents and my grandparents. Yeah. I want to just pose a question to you that um, we talked about these three generations, You're the, and you are the middle mm. generation, and I am the, uh, I'm, I'm the uh, guy who's over 65, and that young guy that you're talking about is 25 years yeah, older. Yeah. I might suggest that you're optimistic about the future. Um, okay. I'm pessimistic about the future, not from my own point of view, but yes. I was just having this chat with my wife on the, yes. on the weekend. I said, oh, my God, how are our kids going to get into a house? Because of the, you know, first of all, you've got to have a couple of hundred thousand dollars deposit. Now, not many people have got that money sitting in the bank. And I said, unless we actually we pass on to the pearly gates and they get their inheritance or we go and borrow the money for them. Uh, and then that young person, that 25-year-old, they're saying, oh, my God, how am I going to get into that house unless my mum and dad um, pass off? So probably sitting in the middle, you know, you're established. Mm. You, you can probably see a light at the end of the tunnel, whereas... Yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable, but I feel very, very um, nervous about the future for the younger generations, younger than your generation. Mm. Yeah. Who's right? Is it, is it you being optimistic, or are we, are we both wrong? Um, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer on this, and it kind of depends on, it depends on where each person is sitting in terms of uh, where they live, because there's a huge disparity in the cost of acquiring yep. a property. Um, in the urban centre versus the rural mm-hmm. in terms of a hinterland town and that also uh, there's a, a phenomenal disparity in earning potential um, and that we've seen that across all of the developed world. If we look back um, and and I think some of this is the, the, the growth of the middle class so if we think about, you know, most people are earned, look there were some people who earned a lot of money historically, mm. but on average, most people earned a similar amount. Yes. And what happened is that um, as we've seen the um, as we've seen um, growth in the economy, um, particularly in the Western world, um, and we've seen this growing middle class, the difference between those at the bottom and those at the top is much greater than it used to be. Yeah. Um, in terms of there's a much greater cohort of middle class than there ever has been. Um, so it's very, very hard to use the kind of, you know, the averages. Yeah. Um, but, if we, but if I think back and I look at every time that I hear someone say this time it's different, yeah. and I'm going to use that in terms of answering your question in terms of, you know, is it more difficult today than it was 20 years mm-hmm. ago or 40 years ago or 60 years ago? Each generation feels that it is is difficult. 
if you go go back and look at Greek and Roman yep, philosophers, absolutely. they spoke about it then. Yeah. Um, and and some of those people were writing over, you know, like you know, you know, the Roman Empire, you know, yeah, you know, thousand years, you know, incredible. Um, and and a lot of that is written down, so we can actually see what they were thinking and how they discussed and how you know, life was life's a lot harder now than it was back in the day, etc. Um, if you if you look back and look at say someone. Wanting to get into farming, and I don't mean just managing a farm, I mean buying a farm. That has always been difficult. Of course, yes. Um, because the returns are relatively low on a cash cash basis. Most of the return has been in capital appreciation, but you know it's very, very difficult to um, consume a portion of your farm, uh, just as it is difficult to consume a portion of your house unless you have a reverse annuity mortgage. So it's always been difficult for people to to get into acquiring a farm because just the capital the capital values are very very high. So I in many ways I think that there's there's actually not that much difference than it was for our parents versus those today. Mm. I would say that if you were to and I don't mean to I don't mean to point the bone here in terms of work ethic but when I look back at prior generations, mm-hmm. a lot of people, it was not uncommon to have a second job mm. and work on the weekend to get onto the ladder, so to speak. Absolutely. Whether that be into business, in terms of acquiring their own business, or acquiring um, a home or additional assets, a lot of people did work two or three yeah. jobs to achieve that outcome. That is not so common today. No. The answer does seem to be quite simple, though, doesn't it? That um, we just need to pay people more so they can save more. But that's and when you write it down, this, yeah, of course it's so simple, but our economy can't sustain that sort of... No, no, well, it can't. And that comes back to what you and I have discussed in the past, and that is productivity. Um, mm. if, the, if the underlying engine or the underlying growth of the economy is only growing at, say... 3%. And 3% would be a really good number. A lot of economies mm. would be really happy with 2 But let's use a number of 3 So if you were cranking along at 3%, but you were trying to pay people 5 that is mm. difficult, uh, extremely difficult. And also, we also have the other aspect that we've got a growing government tax take. So the portion of the economy that is represented by the state or by the taxpayer, is growing. So, and if we look at the tax wedge, we are paying the government more. So the amount that you and I actually get to take home Mm. is actually starting to shrink. Um, So that becomes quite problematic when you're talking about that we'll just pay people more. Yeah. I suppose the other uh, easy thing is, let's just cap the price of a house. How (laughs) how, How easy would that be to implement? Um, well, look, we have tried that in the past, but look, and I, and you know, here we are on the radio. We're not. Um, it, we, um, it's not a video interview, but you know, you can imagine if I was playing a game like whack a mole. You know, you whack one mole, and another mole pops up. And Muldoon tried this, and it's very, very difficult with price freezes because what happens is when you there is a a when you hit one mole here or you keep one price down, another will pop up elsewhere. The economy is an incredibly fluid mm. mechanism of pricing, and it's, it's just impossible for, um, for the state 
to control prices and achieve all of the outcomes that they desire. I mean, if we look at, say, and it's only just been enacted and just started, and that's the EV rebate scheme. Well, you have seen the price Mm, of EV vehicles have increased pretty close to the rebate amount. So in other words, you and I thought we were going to get a rebate, which means that the net cost of the vehicle actually declined. But in fact, in many cases, that is not going to be the case because the market reacted immediately. Yes, they put the price up. Yeah. Um, Interesting talking point in the paper today, don't know what they saw it, uh, Liam Dan. And one sentence that he wrote, which, again, mm-hmm. we mentioned loosely uh, a couple of weeks back, uh, when we shift to an economy where inflation is a, a bigger problem than deflation, where rates are rising rather than falling, it'll be the most significant fundamental shift we've seen in more than a decade. That's coming, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. So, well, hey, it will um, – now, you know, I, I used in a recent article of mine that a, you know, a broken clock is correct twice a day. Yes. So I could tell you that it's coming, and I could just repeat it. Ad nauseum forever, and eventually I'll be right. Yes. Um. <laughs> yeah, but when we look at things around us now, I mean, uh, and I'm sure you go shopping. There's nothing that is more expensive. Yes, correct. Power's more expensive. Petrol's more expensive. Um, yeah. Yeah. There, um, now, the Reserve Bank and Reserve Banks around the world are forecasting that, yes, we are going to have some inflation. And that is born through the fact that we had restricted spending this time last year. And there's a lot of pent-up demand, and a lot of people put a lot of money um, into their savings account, and they now want to spend it. And there are, there is too much cash chasing too few goods, so inflation. Mm-hmm. They're saying that that inflation will only be short-lived, and that in a period of 12 through 24 months, if they look through this bubble <coughs> and this hump of inflation, that things will revert to normality in 12 to 24 months' time. Yeah. Now... So someone's going to be right and someone's going to be wrong. So in this case, you know, Liam in the newspaper, yeah. Liam Dan, he's saying that, um, you know, it's coming. Well, yeah it, yeah, it is coming. But some of the reserve banks are saying we're not going to increase our interest rates in the interim because this will be short-lived. One, one would hope so. Yes. Because um, if they're wrong and inflation gets away on them, um, then it will be akin to having a tiger by the tail and, you know, that old analogy, when you pull a tiger by the tail, you normally get quite badly mauled. And if you, you know, if we had Dr. Brash in the room and we and, and we said to Dr. Brash, what's it like taming inflation? You know, he would tell you that it is um, it is a battle yeah. and it's hard and there's some pain. Another commentator came out yesterday and said it's likely to be three years before we have a, a travel bubble, which is, you know, with the rest of the world, which is going yes. to be of any use to us. I mean, what does that do for... Um, confidence in investing and the economy. It's got to drive it down, surely. Uh, yeah, it does. Well, I, in fact, the, the quip that I was using this morning when I was reading that with a couple of people was that, you know, that will, many businesses that will, they'll be, if they were waiting patiently, they'll be near extinct by the time yes. that the three years came around. Um, so, for example, if you had built a business that was focused on high-end, the high-end global travel market, mm. and if we didn't have a bubble for, say, if we didn't have a robust bubble for three years, there is no way that you can, um, you know, um, put on ice your business for another three years. Mm. It just wouldn't be worth it. You would be better to um, redeploy and do something else. Yeah. 
So what advice might you give to someone who's just listened to all the, uh, the negative things that I've been saying and the positive things that you've been saying? <laughs> <laughs> what advice might you give them about looking – I mean, because at the very beginning of the program, you mentioned bricks and mortar, as we always talk yeah. about bricks and mortar. But, boy, that's not slowing down at all. No, no, it's not. Um, but we all need a roof above our head. And I think that – and I, and just before you talked about bricks and mortar, I was going to say what would the advice be to anyone. Yes. And that is take a long-term view. Um, because if you're having to pay over the odds and pay a little bit more for an item at the moment, if you factor in that if you had to pay an extra 10%, but if you, you know, versus what you expected to pay, but if you plan to consume the item and use the item and get betterment from the item over a period of 10 years, then that extra premium that you've paid, if you wash that over the 10-year period, is actually quite small. Mm. Okay, But if you wanted immediate satisfaction, and let's say you really, really wanted a new boat or a batch for the um, Hawke's Bay Long Anniversary Weekend, you know, you know, us here in Hawke's Bay, yep. we're blessed with four days, and it, yes. goodness, it's fabulous. Roll on summer. It's really cool. And But the fact is, if you're going to pay over the odds for that, and you only plan to use it for a couple of years... Then, um, then yeah, if you paid 10 or 20% over the odds, over and above what you would have paid a year ago for that item, then there's a potential, like buying a new car and then selling it 18 months later, yeah, sure. you know, you may burn through some cash. Yeah. Whereas for many people, you know, such as buying a home, if they plan to live in the home for, well, 30 or 40 years, what's paying a little bit more today when you plan to be there for an incredibly yeah. long period of time? Indeed. Hmm. And it's always the uh, opportunity that you could flip it and still make money because, again, we've mentioned that you only pay <laughs> you, you only pay tax on your profit. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, there is that. But look, a lot of people have found that they they are now um, subject to a fairly long bright line period. Mm. You know, in ten years uh, for the bright line, um, and to those that aren't aware of what the bright line is, so that's you know you're liable for tax. Um, if you sell your property, sorry, not your residential home, but anything yep. outside the residential home, um, you know, so you might have a little rental property you were going to buy, you, you know, they've extended the bright line test through to 10 years. And that is a very long period of time. Sure. A lot of people are saying, I didn't actually, I don't want to own, own mm. it for 10 years. Whereas, you know, if you go and buy a, a share, you, you know, you go and buy some shares on the NZX50. You can sell them. Yeah. You can buy them today. You can sell From them tomorrow. tomorrow. No problem. You're not subject to the same provisions. So long as you're not a trader, um, you're not subject to those same um, those same issues. And that's why I'm just saying, you know, like like that that whole bricks and mortar approach that people have focused on. The game is changing, and it's changing very very quickly. And aside from the bright line, the fact that the deductibility of interest is going to dissipate. So by year four, there is no deductibility of interest. It's going to drop by 25% every year. Mm. So, you know, if if you, Ken, had gone out and bought an extra property and you'd get it to 80%, um, wow, you know, you may have to yes. get a second job on the weekend. <laughs> Paper run. <laughs> Being there, to, done that. To, to be funding it. And, and, you know, and a lot of people, that's just, they, they didn't forecast that was going to happen. And it just shows, you know, you know, the game can be tilted very, very quickly. If you look back to the 1980s 
when we had a lot of you know, farmers, a lot of farmers received fairly substantial taxpayer subsidies from the Muldoon-era government. Those were removed overnight. Mm, and a lot of farms went from having extremely good profitability to having no profitability yeah. because the entire mechanism of how they made money was on transfer credits from government mm. um, rather than straight um, – you know, um, money ex- in the bank. Yeah, money in the bank, and yep. you know the sa- you know the sale of stock, etc. It was it was different, and it's amazing. You know, governments can change policy very very quickly. So a lot of people who have a you know a long run game, um, in other words, you know the rules of the game, and then overnight they change. It's a little bit like you know, I, I've been I've been saying to my son with rugby that that you know with this you know used to be head high tackles. Well now if you you know you effectively yeah. you know tackling above the chest you know you're um, you're carded sure if you'd said that to rugby players um 10 years ago they would have said no nah, that's not going to happen and the forecasts are that you'll be tackling around the bootlaces in due course well what happened to those tackles that's how they used to tackle when i was a boy absolutely on yeah and um Boy, they drop when you tackle them that low. <laughs> <laughs> but the sure. rules change. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Good on you, Nick. Now, if we need any sound financial advice, where do we get it? Uh, 204 Academy Road in Hastings or on the Terrace in Wellington. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.